Welcome to another episode from 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. This one, a continuation of the Beauty and the Beast story, which began with our last episode, the Catherine Beaumont version of Beauty and the Beast, which was an abridged, shorter version of Villain Waves' 1748 full-length fairy tale. Some researchers believe that Villain Waves' Beauty and the Beast was derived from a true story, that of Petrus and Catherine Gonzalves. And that incredible true story is offered here in History's True Beauty and the Beast. We'll present you with the story and let you be the judge. Enjoy. Our story behind the story begins in 1537, when Pedro Gonzalez was born on the Spanish island of Tenerife in the Canaries off the coast of Spain. He was a descendant of Menses, the king of the Aborigines, who had been overwhelmed and enslaved by Spanish conquest in 400 AD. Petrus was described as a muchacho muy hermoso, or very hairy boy, whose face and body was covered with a fine down of soft, dark, red hair. So much so that he looked more like a wolf than a boy. And that's how he was raised. At the age of 10, he was loaded up in a cage and shipped to King Charles V of Netherlands as a gift but during the crossing, his ship was captured by raiding French privateers who thought he might make a nice gift for their new king whose coronation was approaching. That king was Henri II of France, not to be confused with earlier English versions. On the night of King Henri's coronation, King Henri was presented with a highly unusual gift during that night's revelry, a wild man imprisoned in a cage. Wild men, or wood woes, were half-men, half-animal creatures in European medieval mythology. They were often depicted as very hairy and were believed to become ferocious at night, even stealing and eating children alive. The presence of an alleged actual wild man at King Henry's court was cause for considerable excitement, and the newcomer was brought to a dungeon for observation. After investigation, Court doctors and academics determined that the strange figure wasn't a wild man or even a man at all, but a small boy, his face and limbs covered in thick hair, soft as sable. The boy told them his name was Pedro Gonzalez. The doctors observed Pedro throughout the night to see if he demonstrated any signs of telltale wild man savagery, snarling, biting, licking his privates, and I would add one more, not using a fork when he ate, but King Henri II's court had just beaten him to the punch on that one, being the first French court to dine with forks. But I digress. The boy beast appeared, aside from his hairy countenance. Surprise, surprise, to be a typical ten-year-old boy. Today it is believed that Pedro had congenital hypertrichosis, which is Latin for too much hair, a rare inherited genetic condition, and that he was the first recorded case it is, of course, accepted that humans with this unlucky condition have probably existed since the dawn of man, at which time they probably fit in pretty well. But as the centuries passed, they were seen as something very scary and far out of the mainstream. They may have given rise to mythical stories of legendary beasts like the werewolf and were most likely, and sadly, killed off. Although hypertrichosis is better understood now than it was in Petrus' day, the condition is so rare that finding subjects for doctors to study presents a challenge. The rarity of Pedro's condition made him a particularly prized gift for the king, 
Pedro was given a new Latin name, Petrus Gonsalves, and as an experiment, Henri II ensured Petrus had the education of a nobleman. In time, Petrus even came to hold a position at court. King Henri didn't have much time for the young boy, but his wife, Catherine de Medici, the queen, took a great interest in him. She was small and no great beauty herself. Plus, she was known to be selfish and cruel. But the boy must have fit into her plans for the future because she arranged the finest Latin tutors, and she assisted him as he grew into a true gentleman of the court. In 1573, when Petrus was 36 years old, King Henri II had died accidentally in a jousting match, and the queen, feeling the power, felt it was time to give Petrus a wife. She, being a plotter, apparently had some fun and games in mind, because she picked the most beautiful of her bridesmaids, whose name was also Catherine, and told her it was time to meet her new fiancé. As legend has it, when the blushing bridesmaid gazed for the first time upon Petrus's shaggy countenance, she fainted dead away. But apparently, Petrus had other certain physical attributes he had inherited from his relatives back in Tenerife, and he was incredibly sensitive and kind, qualities which many women value over good looks, or so it is believed. His wife bore him six children, four of whom unfortunately suffered from hypertrichosis and were later given away as exotic gifts. In those early family days, Catherine and Petrus toured Europe with their hairy offspring and were a source of extreme fascination for nobles. Paintings of the Gonsalves family, in formal wear designed to contrast their wild appearance, were often given as gifts in high society. The Gonsalveses settled for a time in Parma, Italy, under the financial care of Duke Ranuccio Farnese, but they were always considered to be less than human. Soon, Catherine and Petrus' four children were given as gifts by Farnese to noblemen not content with owning mere portraits of the unusual children. The Duke of Farnese even gave young Antoinetta Gonsalves to his mistress, Lady Isabella Palavicina, as a token of affection. Petrus and Catherine eventually moved to Capodimonte, Italy. Catherine is believed to have passed away in 1589, after approximately 40 years of marriage. Petrus is thought to have died in 1618 at the age of 81 at Lake Bolsena. His death is not mentioned in Capo de Monte's register of death. Only people who were given last rites were entered in the register of death, so it is assumed that even in his final hours, Petrus was still treated as an oddity rather than a human and was not given last rites. His life can be found in the Vatican archives. The location of Catherine and Petrus's graves is unknown, but their memory lives on in multiple portraits of the unconventional couple. Paintings of Petrus and the rest of the Gonsalves family can still be found in Ambrus Castle's Chamber of Art and Curiosities, a collection of oddities created by Ferdinand II, Archduke of Austria, in the 16th century. Although Villeneuve's Beauty and the Beast and most of its adaptations feature the beast transforming into a handsome prince by the power of love, Catherine and Petrus's union didn't have that same conclusion. Still, representations of the couple depict them as loving. One miniature portrait currently hanging in Washington, D.C.'s National Gallery of Art features Catherine and Petrus with her hand placed affectionately on his shoulder, and we use this one for our episode art. Next time you visit the D.C. National Gallery of Art, 
Look for that portrait of Catherine and Petrus, and you'll know the story. There's no smoking gun that definitively connects the life of Petrus and Catherine to Villeneuve's Beauty and the Beast, but the similarities are many. Belle was beautiful, as was Catherine, and feared the Beast, who was hairy and not what you would call handsome, but he was very kind, generous, and well-spoken, much like Petrus was reported to be. They did meet in the castle, and they became part of French high society. You can argue how well accepted they were, but they undoubtedly enjoyed a life of privilege in France and Italy. And thus ends our tale of history's true Beauty and the Beast. Thank you for joining us at 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. We hope you enjoyed the story behind the story to the man and woman who were very likely the inspiration for the story Beauty and the Beast. Join us again next week for a new episode and visit our archives at 1001storiespodcast.com. Until next week, this is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn, and this is our story.